if I could just impress upon the listeners one thing, it just don't just settle for the third party property condition assessment. A lot of times they're not good enough and they're not doing the due diligence that you will need. How great would it be to buy a piece of institutional quality income producing commercial buildings? Well, now you can with Building Bits. It's not a REIT or a fund. Building Bits is a new platform for non-accredited investors where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building lease to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. You can now invest in the same quality assets, which have previously only been available to institutions and wealthy individuals. Once you choose your building on BuildingBits.com, you can invest as little as $500 and receive your share of the rents while BuildingBits' team of real estate pros handles all the management aspects of the building. For the first time, the big corporations in America can actually start paying you. And when the building is sold in the future, the potential appreciation is redistributed to everyone So you don't just get the rental income, but also share in the upside. Best of all, since these securities are SEC qualified, they are freely tradable immediately. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of their current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And with us today, we got Frank Rossler. How you doing, Frank? Very good. How are you, Joe? I am doing well and welcome back to the show. And best ever listeners, you recognize Frank because you're a loyal listener and he is the co-founder of Ashcroft Capital. We formed Ashcroft Capital and we have exited some deals. And the purpose of this conversation is to talk about the lessons learned from a deal that we exited. So it's a case study conversation and it's not to beat our chest about, hey, look at us. This is a good deal. It's to discuss the stuff that we learned and ultimately to help you out whenever you're doing your own deals so that you can learn from the things that we came across, the challenges that we came across when we were executing the business plan of a multi-million dollar apartment community. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and dive right into it. Today, we're going to be talking about a property called Carrollton Oaks. And best ever listeners, by the way, if you're curious about Frank's background, then just go to ashcroftcapital.com or listen to a previous case study conversation. So we'll get right into it. This deal that we sold fairly recently, Carrollton Oaks, how should we start our conversation, Frank? What's the best way to kick this off? I was going to say, maybe let's just start off by talking about what drew us to this investment and why we liked it. And the reason I would say that is because Carrollton Oaks really represents everything we look for in a value-add property. It's really right down the middle of the fairway for us. Ashcroft Capital, we're value-add guys. We like to buy properties with full meat left on the bone, something that a previous owner might have left on the table for us where we can go drive net operating income through whatever business plan we create and then hopefully return our investors a nice strong multiple. That is indeed what happened on this property. And I think it's because, like I said, it's just, it's everything we look for. So Carrollton Oaks came across our desk. It was actually the third property that we did here at Ashcroft Capital. 
And they came across our desk because it was a marketed deal. This property was a nice size property, 320 units. With a property of that unit count, you're going to get some good scale of economy, hopefully a lower price per door on expenses like payroll, turn costs, marketing, things like that. So good size. Secondly, it was being sold by a non-institutional group. So it was bought by the patriarch of a wealthy family who passed away, and his daughter is the one who sold this to us. Joe, you might remember she did a buyer sales call from Cancun (laughs) while she was sipping a a drink. (laughs) And that's unusual. But what we like about that is usually when you're buying from a group that is not institutional, there might be some efficiencies or inefficiencies at the property, which we can help tighten up and hopefully reduce expenses, which will drive net operating income. And then lastly, not lastly, but another reason why we like this deal was that they had not renovated any units. They had bought this deal several years back. As I said, the daughter inherited this property and now she was just looking to exit. She was actually a full-time eye doctor, not a full-time property owner. So because they had not renovated in units and other comps had in that area, we saw an opportunity to push rents and improve the community, improve the quality of life at this asset and get that multiple that we always seek out. The market itself, we always do a lot of homework on the sub-markets that we look at and the market itself had a lot of projected rental growth underneath it. It's Carrollton, Texas, which is just north of the city of Dallas. It's a kind of a sub-market of Dallas-Fort Worth. Had a good, not great, but a good school district. Carrollton Farmers Branch Independent School District was there. So that was another box that was checked. And another thing that was great about this property is it was infill. When we say infill, that means there's not a lot of land to be developed around the asset, but it was infill based on single family homes. So yes, there were a couple comps, but it's not like apartment community row where we're one of a dozen apartment communities. It was us, a property next door, and then another comp a mile away. And everything else was single family homes. And what we liked about that and this was similar in Woodland Village, actually, the first property we bought, was that it creates a desirable place for families to live. Because if you can't afford to go buy a $350,000 to $500,000 home, you can rent in a good school district, be around a great residential suburb, have your children go to a good school. So it was very desirable for families. And we like to own communities where families want to live. They're more long-term, stable residents. They tend to be consistent, pay their rent on time. And they also tend to really appreciate what we do for the property. They are looking for their unit to be a little nicer. They would like nicer appliances and cabinetry. They have, because they're families, they typically have higher household income to afford to pay a small premium for that. So like I said, at the beginning of this call, it was right down the middle of the fairway for everything we looked for. And That might sound easy, but when you get into it, as you know, Joe, every property just kind of usually comes with some good and some bad. There's usually never the perfect asset for value add. I'm not saying this was perfect, but it certainly checked a lot of the boxes that we look for. So in terms of 
just place to start. Yeah. It was it was our value add deal. Just curious on the school district front. Let's say the school district and wasn't great. Instead of it being good, it was below average. Does this deal still pencil if it's a below average school district? Well, that would be one chink in the armor of this deal. There's always a price for every property. So to say it wouldn't pencil, I don't think. But what realistically would happen is our price might lower because we might say the submarket is not as desirable. Families might not want to live here. So we might not be able to get the premium we need to do these renovations. So then our business plan might change. Our purchase price might change. And unless the price that the seller wanted changed, we just probably wouldn't be able to get the deal. As we always say, we underwrite somewhere between 75 and 100 properties before we buy one. And usually due to a few or many things that just don't check our boxes, we'll either not offer, we'll offer the price that makes sense and we just won't get the property because there are some other aggressive buyers that will drive the price higher. So it, it would have penciled at a price, but probably it just wouldn't have gone our way. So you mentioned there are some good things and some bad things. So what were some challenging things that you think we should talk about? I would say, as mentioned, this was the third property we did. And I always like to talk about these. And this was a very successful investment. But I think part of the purpose of these calls, as you said, is to hopefully give a lesson or two that we had on these properties and for your listeners to learn from this example versus learning the hard way and doing it on their own. And one of the challenges we faced was definitely deferred maintenance. I will say, though the third party report came in very, very clean, it didn't recommend new roofs, new paint, foundational issues. It really didn't. Though that happened, we certainly experienced a lot of issues at this property. Now, none of them were extremely high, but we had foundational issues on three properties. When you get in there, there's settling issues. Doors aren't closing properly. It turns out Carrollton, we did a tremendous amount of homework, but you can always do more. But it turns out Carrollton, the soil in that area is very soft and continuing to settle. And this community, among with several houses in the area, has some settling and foundational issues. And we had to spend money on about five or six buildings to tuck pointing and sure up the foundations that we didn't anticipate. And that takes money away from other projects that you penciled for, of renovating the units and repainting the property, things like that. So that was one issue we had. Another was just drainage in general. We didn't get to tour the property when there was heavy downfall. So it's hard to know how drainage is going to work on the property without really seeing that. A couple months after we bought it, there was just pools of water. And there's a lot of acreage on this property too. And there was lots of areas where irrigation systems were either shut off or not working properly, or the drainage systems off the building weren't routing water properly. And this led to other foundational issues. So we spent a lot of money turning back on those irrigation systems, rerouting drainage and getting the water away from the buildings when it would rain. That's another project that I wish our engineers or maybe we would have instructed our engineers to possibly pay more attention to. And then others are just things that it's just really hard to identify, like the entire perimeter fence 
was one thing that we should have paid more attention to. And it started falling apart after we bought the deal. And we had to replace that whole fence. And when you have several hundred feet of a perimeter, that can get very costly too. You know, I don't want to beat us up too much. <laughs> we did a lot more right than wrong on this deal. But if I could just impress upon the listeners one thing, it just don't just settle for the third party property condition assessment. A lot of times they're not good enough and they're not doing the due diligence that you will need. So get your own engineers out to this property and spend a little bit more upfront. This is a 320 unit property, probably for another 10 grand in closing costs. We could have had a few more professional engineers out there, someone looking at the foundations and irrigation and someone looking at the mechanics of the property. I'm not saying that didn't take place from our third party, but we didn't do it internally. And we probably should have on this deal. And we started doing that subsequently. Now, I think starting on maybe the deal right after this, we have the third party, which our lender requires us to do, but then we spend our own dollars and we get our own property condition assessment report done. So we don't just rely on those. And often our own is much higher and much more conservative. And it gives you not only projects that you need to get done if you were to buy this property day one, but also projects that are just kind of warning projects like these roofs. I'm not saying you have to replace them, but as your engineer, you're paying me to give you a number. And I think in five years, you might have to replace all these roofs. And here's a potential bid for it. And we pay a lot of attention to those internal property condition assessment reports. We now make sure either we're covering the things that we think we have to do on top of it, or we're preparing a sufficient contingency fund in order to cover any rainy day projects. When the dust settled on this deal, what were the final investor returns? Do you have that handy? Yeah, I do. So we did very, very well on this deal. We bought right, we negotiated right, and we closed at a 6.1 cap. We increased the value from the purchase price to sale price by 61% in just over 18 months. So that created an IRR of 42.2% on a project level. Pardon me, that was actually, the valuation increase was actually the Alara. Carrollton Oaks, we increased the value by 32%, which created an IRR of the 42.2%. That created an equity multiple of 1.7 for our investors. And over 18 months, it definitely made our investors very, very happy. So this was a very successful deal. You don't often see IRRs and 30s or high 20s even, and we hit a 42 on this property. We had almost all of our investors, 1031, their proceeds from this deal to another deal. So this was a very, very great deal for us. So we talked about the school district. That would have changed things a little bit, but it's tough to identify really how much. What would be one thing about this property that if we took that one thing away, that type of return would not have been able to be achieved? I would just say the comps, the submarkets. So if this was a property where we theorized if we renovate, there will be a demand for a nicer unit. And if there's a demand, then you can charge a higher premium. If you would have taken that away, and we certainly see submarkets like this, then you should think twice about it. You might not get that return on your investment for renovating these units. You want to do a sufficient amount of market research to make sure you're looking before you go leap 
and spend all those dollars because you would not want to be in a project after closing and then discovering, oh my goodness, these residents don't really care about nicer units, nicer cabinets or floors or light fixtures. They're just looking for a place to live and don't care about the quality of it. And there are plenty of places like that that if you're not careful, you might step into. Enjoyed our conversation as always, Frank, and thanks for talking through the case study. Best ever listeners, if you want to learn more about our company, just go to investwithashcroft.com and you can go learn more about what we got going on. But you probably already know about us anyway since you listen to the show. So some things that Frank mentioned that we learned through this process with Carrollton Oaks, the deferred maintenance and drainage and perimeter fence, basically having a third party do the due diligence like the lender requires. So you've got to have that anyway. But in addition to that, have your own property condition assessment completed. That way you've got two objective perspectives on the assessment of what needs to be done and ultimately making sure that your fundamentals are in place for the opportunity. As Frank mentioned, if we weren't able to achieve the rent premiums, then that's a problem. So we were in the right market and it was just a matter of tweaking some of the business plan, which there will always be some tweaking of a business plan on an ongoing basis when you have 300 units. So you probably got around 1,000 people living in a small footprint. Anytime you're dealing with that many people, there's always business plans and circumstances that are evolving and it's a fluid situation. So it's just being able to make sure you got your fundamentals right. So Frank, thanks again for being on the show. I hope you have a best ever day. Good catching up with you and we'll talk to you again soon. Likewise. Thank you, Joe. I know some of you out there are just starting your fix and flip journey. Before you do, let me tell you about an opportunity where your money works for you instead of you working for it. Building Bits is offering anyone, and I mean anyone, the opportunity to invest in commercial real estate and receive the dividends and value appreciation from the sale. Here's how it works. First, you choose a building and invest. Second, once the building is acquired, you start to receive potential quarterly dividends. Third, once the building sells, you get any of the appreciated value from it. See, money working for you, not you working for the money. Start today at buybits.us forward slash flip. The offering circular is available at buildingbits.com.